Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Mel. Hello, ABGs and ABBs. It's officially spooky season with temperatures cooling down in some places, and Halloween is celebrated here in the U.S. in October. Since late summer, people have been getting into the sweater weather. That's hard to say. (laughs) Sweater weather. (laughs) Sweater weather. Mood. (laughs) Fall chill hop playlists have dropped, marketing emails have pushed fall messaging, and so many horror movie previews are out there now, which I am not watching. But naturally, fall has gotten us into a spooky mood. This episode, we'll be sharing some of our memorable creepy encounters with people and the supernatural. Ooh, supernatural. Ooh. Maybe now is a good time to say that this episode may not be for the easily scared. We'll definitely pepper in some funnier, less scary stories, but just in case, we'll try to let you know when things take a scarier turn in this episode. So I guess I will be kicking us off in terms of the creepy stories. Um, Okay, so my story revolves um, a person, a creepy person. Okay, so... Story time. Um, So I actually went to community college before transferring into a university. And when you go to community college, you actually encounter a lot of different people. Um, People that decided to go back to school, people that are fresh out of high school. So just like a hodgepodge of people. I remember in my class, I walked in and was very in awe of like, oh, wow, this, this group of people, they're very diverse. And I remember seeing like an older man. He was probably in his like late 50s, early 60s. And I remember telling myself like, Mel, College is a place where people want to learn. It doesn't matter about their age, their background, whatever. So I was like very open-minded and very open to making friends of different backgrounds. So naturally, I befriended this dude because he was also in multiple classes of mine. And we definitely built like, a, oh, hey, did you study for this? Oh, cool. Like it just felt very friendly. Like I didn't feel any like weird vibes. Next quarter, I found out he was also in my math class. And this is when things for me started to feel very uncomfortable. In my math class he started passing me notes, like written notes. And at first I was like, okay, like I don't understand. Maybe he just, maybe because he's older, he's not used to like how we socialize, you know, it's very different. Mm -hmm. But the letters would say things like, they're kind of harmless. They're like, hi, Melody. I just wanted to let you know that I spent this weekend um, flipping and I learned how to do a cartwheel and I did yoga. It was just like very like personal updates. And at first I was just random. It just felt very like, I don't understand why you're telling me this, but okay, like you could just talk to me after class. But I think the letters started to increase in volume and I just started to get really uncomfortable because I just felt kind of creepy. Like, I don't know. I just didn't know his intention. He didn't say anything crazy. Like I wanted like take you out or anything or like anything like borderline harassing, but I just felt like there was like this comfort level that did get crossed. Maybe he mentioned he wanted to take me out to dinner or something, but I just remember being really creeped out by the situation and like... You know how, like, we just get, like, kind of, like, woman's intuition about things? Mm -hmm. I had the feeling that 
there was some kind of romantic interest and like I just felt really creeped out and I feel bad because I don't want to feel like say like I was judgmental and be like ill like you creepy old man I don't want to talk to you but I think for me there's a level of like understanding like social boundaries of like if I'm not expressing romantic interest you shouldn't be like giving this back to me and like you're asking people in our class to pass me notes it's very uncomfortable and yeah I don't know I just feel like there's a lot of women out there especially that have encountered like creepy maybe like pursuits from maybe men especially in heterosexual like dynamics I don't know but that is my creepy story I think after that I told my teacher and I just kind of I just stopped ignoring him like rushed out of class and after that I did not see him I think he added me on Facebook and I denied it but that was my creepy person story Ooh, so you ended up just ignoring him and then he stopped sending you passing along these notes to you and was just out of your life I think from what I remember I mean I was also like only like 18 and 19 so I feel like I didn't even know how to approach the situation like all I knew to do was like Mm -hmm. tell the teacher and have them help me but I felt like they didn't even help me at all so I didn't know how to handle it you know Mm -hmm. but I don't know I also feel bad feeling creeped out you know what I mean yeah because you can't tell exactly what his intentions are but I feel like with these things it's always better to err on the side of safety for your own safety especially if he has more information from you because he knows where you're gonna be every you know every time mm. you guys have a class together Oof. I know I'm, I'm surprised like- he told the teacher go Mel <laughs> was was he passing notes to you directly or would they get passed to you from other people they would get passed because we. W- I wouldn't sit next to him. He would literally pass mm. it in between us. So for me, I'm like, dude, this is so awkward for the people that have to pass these me the note these notes. Yeah, yeah. And there's one time he like tried to like rush it to me, and I was like, this is really uncomfortable. Like mm. I'm obviously not receiving the notes really well. So why do you keep doing this? But it also reminded me of very old school. Like they pass notes in class. I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh maybe, but yeah, I just felt really uncomfortable. I think I feel like nowadays I might be able to like be vocal about setting my boundaries more clearly versus back then. I mean, this is like. This is like 10 years ago. So I'm like, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't I was as comfortable and confident back then. But mm-hmm. that was one of my creepy experiences, or I would probably deem creepy. I'm sure you two have very um, interesting stories that might have taken you both outside of your comfort zone. I feel like you guys traveled a lot. So I'm just very curious to hear your spooky stories. Okay. Well, I can't. I don't know if this is exactly a creepy story, but it is a travel-related story that I'm happy I survived. <laughs> Hmm. So as some of you out there know, I worked abroad in Gurgaon, India for about three months to train up our evaluation team. And honestly, I loved what I learned about myself from that trip in India. I've never been anywhere else in the world where I just felt so challenged and out of my comfort zone, but also like in touch with myself. It's like being in a circumstance where you're pushed to your limits and you learn how to channel your inner calm, which I for sure did in this situation. So... When we were sort of looking at the outline for this episode, I was actually reminded that I had so many questionable decisions that I made as a young woman during this trip. This was in 2015, so I guess it's not too long ago, but seven years ago, I was in my mid-20s, and honestly, I was like, I could probably fill up a whole episode of sketchy situations that young Helen got herself into, but I will tell just one. For, for this section of the podcast. Okay, so obviously when you're traveling abroad for work, you're going to take advantage of the weekends, right? And go on quick two to three day trips. On one of my free weekends, I decided to take a weekend trip to the Himalayas to a lake town called Bimtal. I remember there was like, it was so remote that I searched for an ATM for like two hours so that I could buy dinner because it was only cash in that area. And... I ended up not being able to eat dinner and went back to the hotel room and just ate the free apples that were in the hotel room. Very remote, very peaceful, very mountainous too. And then on the way back to Gurgaon, which is close to Delhi, there was only one flight back that day, which was my flight back. And I had prearranged a cab. He picked me up. We were on our way. 40 minute drive to the airport. We would have been 20 minutes early, which is great. We then hit dead stop traffic. Like people were out of their cars, chilling on the roof of their cars. And mind you, this is like a very mountainous region. Imagine these like huge mountains with only one road along the side of the mountain. And everyone is walking around trying to figure out what's going on and going to the front of this traffic jam. And my driver, he also barely spoke any English at all. So here I am trying to communicate with him and saying like, Hey, can we find another road? And he just kept shaking his head. He gets out. 
walks to the front of what's going on and comes back and gestures to me that a part of the road is just completely gone, like avalanche down, no way to get across, and also no shortcut on these mountain roads to get to the airport. So I start crying. Can you just imagine yourself in this situation? I start crying. I start freaking out because I have nowhere to stay, no cash on me. I have no access to internet or phone service in that region either. And he just sees how terrified, like utterly terrified I am. And with the little English that he knows, he goes, don't worry. I'm like, oh, okay. And so what he does is he gets in the car. We both get in the car. He whips the car around facing this one-way traffic. And he starts driving on the edge of this mountain, forcing cars to basically move closer to the mountain and aside for us. And our car was like tilting. It was leaning over (gasps) to the right and almost falling off the side of the mountain, but like tilted just enough so that it doesn't. And then once he gets a little bit of leeway, he fucking like guns it too. Like, I'm not even kidding. I felt like I was legit in a GTA like game or something. And I will say that people in India are some of the best fucking drivers out there because there's so much speed, so much traffic. No one follows the traffic lights. And I have no idea how I never saw one car accident my whole time in India because everyone's always honking, speeding and like getting within an inch to each other. But they got some like hyper reaction time or something and able to like swerve away from one another. So once we got out of the one way road situation and there were two lanes of traffic going in opposite directions, once our lane hit a little bit of traffic, he would swerve onto the other lane going straight towards oncoming traffic and neither cars were like slowing down either. And he would wait for like the last second before like swerving back into our lane. And it was just like the most insane car ride and it's also a very mountainous region with a lot of like winding roads so i was i literally thought i was gonna die i literally literally thought i was gonna die but he really wanted me to to make this flight and he kept saying i have daughters i have daughters too and so yeah right and and what he had done or he was trying to do is go like the long way back basically the road that circled all the way around the other side of the mountain in order to try and reach this airport Um, And we literally get there and I see my flight take off. It's like in the movies. It just takes off. It's in the air. All hope leaves my body and I have nowhere to stay. We're already like 40 minutes away from where my hotel was. I can't pay this man to drive me around anymore. And after maybe like 10 minutes of trying to figure out the one sentence he was trying to say to me, I realized he was offering to drive me eight hours back to Gurgaon. Eight hour drive. And he asked me where I was staying. I showed him the phone number and address of my hotel. He called them and they talked on the phone for a while. And then he came back and he said, let's go. And it turns oh out, my gosh. yeah, it turns out he negotiated with the hotel to pay 9,000 rupees, which is about $110 in USD for him to drive me back, which if you just think about it, it's just like the kindness of strangers is incredible. Like he was just so compassionate towards me. He could have easily just dropped me off at the airport And instead, we drove eight hours in the middle of the night through India. And it was also just like the craziest ride that I've ever been on. I was awake for it the whole time. The roads were always bumpy, never flat, still going at fast speeds. And there were like horses and carriages and bikes and motorcycles and wagons and cars. And it was just like so insane that I I realized I only whipped out my phone for one picture and that was it because I was just in awe for like these eight hours the whole entire time and then we would like stop at gas stations and he bought me a bag of chips because I didn't have cash so we would just sit there in silence like eating chips together and then giving him a little bit of a break and getting back into the, into the car um, and then at the end of the ride he ended up dropping me off at a gas station and he exchanged a white envelope with someone for my from my concierge the 9000 rupees and basically it felt like ransom money and I like <laughs> went into the hotel car back to the hotel and then went straight to work after that like it was crazy because I was like on an all night endeavor to get back home and it was just such a humbling experience and I'm very thankful that I'm alive to tell this story but it was just so so insane I feel like usually I'm the type of person that will like whip on my phone be like oh my gosh this is like such an experience but like it was such an experience that the phone did not come out I was just like in shock the whole time but yeah that was my not really creepy story more like glad I survived this travel story to that tell its story. Definitely a scary, scary story. Oh my god. Yeah. Eight hours of I uh-huh. mean I I also I think I can bear I can just barely imagine like 
that moment when you realize like, oh my God, we can't get through. And when you said you just start bawling, it's like I would feel, yeah, like I feel like I'd have like a panic attack. Like Mm -hmm. what the fuck? (laughs) There's so many moments of that in your story. I'm just like, I never heard this before. It's just kind of crazy because I know you're in India. And then I need the fact that like even the whole like being stuck on like the mountain, he was like, F this, we're going to turn this around. Like I can only imagine being tilted over. You're like, all right, I want to say my prayers now because I have no idea what's going to happen. And then even getting there and be like, your plane takes off. Then I'd be like, round two of like devastation. I'm like, what the hell do I do with myself? An eight hour drive is not a quick drive. It is not. It's crazy. It was like in the middle of the night too. It was all night. And I got back like butt crack of morning and like nap for maybe an hour and then went straight to work. So I'm like... I wish I had this guy's number, was able to like send him something as a thank you. But it was the, like the, the very few things he said to me was just like, let's go. We got this. I have daughter too. And I was just like, oh, like such Aww. kind people. Yeah. You know? Thank you, stranger. My God. Yeah, seriously. Bless that man. Yeah. Well, that's a very long story. <laughs> no, no. It was, it was very like on the edge of my seat. Like, oh, my God. Okay, well, I would love to hear. I know, Janet, you have a story also from when you were in, was it France? Yeah, so funny that your travel story happened in 2015 because mine was also during that period. Um, In the summer of 2015, I had just gotten an offer for a new UX job. And the nine months prior to that, I had been, you know, really buckling down and going through that like 10 week boot camp and then went straight into months of job hunting and interviewing um, and then also worked a bit of a contract role. So I decided that I was going to schedule my start date a little later. And I booked a two week trip to France with my very good friend, Kristen, um, who is based in the Bay Area. And uh, we traveled quite a bit abroad together. And she is this like... Uh, fierce little Asian girl (laughs) and the two of us have gone all around the world. Um, This time we decided to go to France. So we booked um, a 10 day trip to Paris, Aix-en-Provence, Nice and Cannes. And through this 10 day trip, we were staying in a combination of hotels and Airbnbs. So um, I think anyone who's traveled abroad knows that Airbnb is like amazing. It provides you, um, you know, great alternatives to hotels, but also at the same time, when you're in a foreign country, an Airbnb is hosted by a local and potentially there will be different cultural misunderstandings and language barriers. Well, um, our last leg of the trip was uh, Cannes and Cannes is a European beach town. And this was in the middle of summer. So it was super, super hot. And we had basically like spent the day, um, I don't remember, I think we like took a taxi in from somewhere and then we were walking around with our luggage. And because our trip was so like short and compact, we weren't able to check into the Airbnb first. So we actually ended up like kind of walking around with some of our stuff, like going to different restaurants and checking out different shops. Um, But we had been messaging with our Airbnb host for that night throughout the day. And, um, you know, we learned that he actually was staying in in a neighboring town. So he wasn't in town. It was not easy for him to get to the place to open it up for us. Um, So, you know, we're walking around during the day and around sunset after dinner, uh, we message him and realize that there's been a miscommunication. And he thought we were actually checking in the day after. At this point, the sun is setting. We are like exhausted, drenched in sweat and just like, you know, want to go to bed. We have our luggage with us and uh, we message him. We're like, no, we are here now. Like literally we're on the beach with our luggage with nowhere to go because he also didn't give us the exact address yet. Hmm. Uh, And then it started to get dark and his messages started coming less like it's like it took him much longer to like respond. Um, And he wasn't answering right away. And we were so tired at that point of just walking around. We like plopped in the sand on the beach um, and just like left our luggage there. We're feeling, you know how like when something is like, when you've been walking around all day and it's so hot, you're like almost a little delirious. Mm-hmm. So we're like sitting on the sand and I'm watching the ocean. And I'm like, oh, this is like gorgeous and nice, but also it's getting dark. I'm in a foreign country. Like, are we going to be homeless tonight? <laughs> and so we literally sat in the sand for like two to three hours waiting for this man to respond and started to panic because we're like, where are we going to sleep? He finally messages back and he says, okay, he drove in from the next door town and he's finally here and he gave us the exact address to meet him um, and he can let us in. But 
because he is staying, his home is in another town and he's driven this far all the way to let us in, he has to spend the night at the Airbnb with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, we're like, okay, at least we have a place to stay. Um, and it kind of made sense. It's like, okay, he drove from out of town. He had to have somewhere to stay. But there was still a little bit, uh, I was like creeped out, but I also, we couldn't say anything or do anything. And so we like brought our stuff in and there was like basically a small side room and he kind of went in there and just closed the door and was like, we knew he obviously was like pissed off at us because like, it's like our fault and he didn't want to leave people like these two girls like stranded. Um, But he like kind of closed the door behind him and we had our bedroom door. So we closed it. And the next morning he like left before he woke up. But I just remember walking in and like the lighting in that Airbnb was not working very well. And it was already like so late at night. We're dragging in our luggage. And I was in such a heightened state of panic for hours of just feeling like, oh, my God, we have nowhere to sleep. So in that state of mind, I was like even more paranoid. And I seriously was like having restless sleep and like weird dreams and was like dreaming of of him like coming into our room and like he's gonna like kidnap us and all this stuff and I woke up the next morning and he was gone so it was like obviously none of that real but just that whole experience also made me just like kind of be a little hesitant with booking Airbnbs, Um, not necessarily because of him, but it's like miscommunication can happen versus if we book a hotel, I feel like you can talk to the front desk, you pay for an extra Mm -hmm. night or whatever. But when it's an Airbnb host and it's like not like a straight kind of thing like that, um, you could be stranded (laughs) or come in very late. So yeah, that was that was one experience where I just remember being in such a state of like fright um, and discomfort. Um, and Kristen and I were obviously like kind of both freaked out and like pissed at each other for no reason. <laughs> um, but we survived that. And, you know, I'm sure I have a feeling uh, like some of our listeners probably have some stories from traveling around too. So, um, I'm curious if anyone has ever had something like this happen with their Airbnb. So if you have like mm-hmm. share, share your story with me, but yes, uh, in Cannes on, in the beach town of France, uh, I was locked out and about to sleep on the beach for the night. <laughs> Oof. I think that's one thing where when I was traveling and maybe this is just for when you're traveling solo, but I would not book an Airbnb for myself. I think yeah, for the yeah. same reason where you mm. just, there's so much unknown and you like, I've had so many shitty Airbnb situations in Europe, even with like with someone else there. And if I was by myself, I would be just like, there's no way. So if you're traveling alone, maybe the lesson here is to book a hotel room because mm-hmm. you yes. do have the safety of just being in a hotel. Um, but oof, that is, I know. I'm glad nothing happened. Yeah. Glad nothing happened. But that is weird when your Airbnb host asks if they can stay, stay. with y'all. Yeah. Yep. That's- yep. That's a big no-no. Actually, I had a couple of questions with this. So when he says he's a, a town over, like, how far is this next town over? Like, is it like a 30-minute drive? Is it an hour? Like, Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to communicate. And at that point, I think we also just felt bad for making him drive out to, like, open or, like, to, to like, let us in. So yeah. we were kind of just like, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> like, we have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. But I think for me also, just, like, when you book on Airbnb, you see the dates you, you book for. So I'm just like, how did you get that wrong? Yeah, you know I mean, I mean, there was an error. I actually don't even remember at this point who's who was like wrong with the dates. Mm. But either way, it's like it's too late, right? Like you're there yeah. and there's a misunderstanding. So, but um, but yeah, all all ended well. Um, Mel, I'm curious if you have some stories where um, that either involved like traveling or just kind of being out of your comfort zone and being in a different place. I feel mine is like traveling, but not really. So my story comes is about like coming back from a trip. So. I just is really random, but I feel like the older I get, the more like claustrophobic or like feeling trapped in certain spaces. I'm more like paranoid than I was before. So I was coming back from a trip and it was, we, I'll be honest, I've landed back in LAX. And this is around the time where I think COVID is like the, the travel restrictions were kind of being lifted still being lifted. And, but they're still like people are wearing a mask and just trying to like still be safe practicing like safe protocols i get it when your plane lands and it's still finding its gate like you just stay on the plane i get it but we were like stuck on our plane at lax for a while and i was like dude this is taking so long and then sometimes like the air stops working you're just like dude i'm like literally stuck on this plane with hella people and i'm like starting to freak out finally my plane finds its gate and as we're deplaning they're like okay everyone has to get on this bus we could take the bus to your terminal or whatever we get on this freaking bus 
And I, I remember I was really shocked because they were like, everyone, pack the bus, pack the bus. I'm just like, this is still COVID times. Why are you having us pack the bus? Like, this is, doesn't make any sense to me. Get on this freaking bus. We were literally outside the gate, like the sliding doors to get inside the airport. They will not let us get off the bus. And I was like, I don't understand like why we can't get off the bus. Like, I think it was just for safety. They didn't want all of us to like, rush out like the, the airplane tarmac or whatever. Is that the right word? To get into the, the airport. I remember everyone around me started getting really freaked out. Like everyone's like, can you at least turn on the AC? Like whatever. This one girl literally was like about to faint. Mm. And I remember when you see that around you, you just start freaking out internally. You're like, you start feeling everything, like the walls are closed in on you. And I remember I was right next to the window. I'm just like, all right, Mel, just like look outside. You're literally like, you're literally there. Like it's fine. But it's just, you feel this like creeped out feeling inside of you. You're like, I feel very, I feel trapped in my body now too. And I'm like, literally like, I'm about to push everyone to get the F out of this bus. Like I can't do this. And then I, this is when I start like meditating to myself, like start breathing and start like literally have to practice like mindfulness or else I legit would freak the F out. And after the situation, finally after like 25, I think we're on that bus for 30 minutes. They finally let us out. And I looked at my friend, I was like, legit, I think I would have like, I think I would have lost myself in there. Like it was crazy. And so that is my, like, I guess like outside of my comfort zone feeling, um, also really want to blame the airlines to be like, this is just poor organization. Like, this is just like, this is so stupid. Like, I remember I was like, this is really bad. Like, you should not be having us jam-packed on this bus without having us be able to, like, be able to leave. Or at least open the damn window. Like, this is just not, it was more like anger on my part. Like, what the hell, man? Like, we don't feel comfortable. Like, this girl's about to freaking faint and I'm about to faint if yeah. I see her faint. So that was just yeah. my story. I don't know if it's a like, creepy, like, external, but it's more like, sometimes it's a mental. You're like, oh, crap. Like. Yeah. You're battling your mind, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like for if you – if someone is like claustrophobic or if you're mm-hmm. afraid of heights, like it is a mental thing. So for someone – what if – I mean, I wonder if she was probably claustrophobic. So she's like losing her shit, you know? Yeah. I don't this know. is when you pull that emergency button yeah. or whatever it is. Be <laughs> like, fuck y'all, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, have the, the windows like pop out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, I didn't think about that. Maybe I should have. Next time. I'll be – I hope there's next, next no next time. No next time, Yeah. Yeah. I do have one more story to share involving like outside comfort zone. And this is actually my last story for this, I guess, like segment is probably the most creepiest. Mm. Okay. And it revolves being followed. That's like the, that's like the creepiest feeling ever. So I was back home for the holidays back in the Bay Area. And I was, I remember I was driving back from like a friend's like get together or like a holiday party. And it was pretty late at night. It was probably around either like past midnight, 1 a.m., whatever. And so the streets are pretty dark, pretty empty. There's still stoplights. I was at a stoplight probably like five minutes away from my home, like my house. I notice that the car behind me is following my every move. And sometimes you, you have this thought, you're like, oh, you're just, are we going the same place or the same direction? Or you're actually following me. Usually they're just going the same direction. They make a turn and you're like, fine. This car, every turn I make, every stoplight I hit was right behind me. And I was like, progressively, the closer I got to home, the more freaked out I was feeling. And at the same time, my my family was asleep. Like, no, like, there's no one. Like, I was like, what do I do? I think as I was approaching, I was at the last light of my house. And I noticed this guy still behind me. I was like calling my brother. I was like, wake the fuck up. Wake up. Get up right now. I need you like to open the freaking, like, open the front door light. I need to make sure like this person knows that there's someone home that he can't, they can't follow me, whatever. And I remember I would feel like I was racing against the clock because my brother wasn't responding and I was like getting really freaked out. So I think when I was about to turn, he finally responded. He's like, what's, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He turns on the light. And as I literally drive into my driveway, the light turns on. And as I drive on my driveway, the car that was behind me parked against on the other side of the street, like parked. And I was just like, uh... My brother comes out and I just, I didn't know what to do. So I get out of my car. And then I think we just like, I think once he sees my brother comes out, I don't know if it's he, the car drives off mm. away. And I remember I looked at my brother. I was like, I don't know what the hell just happened, but that car was following me. And then I went back and I was like feeling, feeling really freaked out. And I think my, I told this story to my friend. My friend's like, Mel, I don't know if you should have drove home because now they know where you live. Oh. But I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I think for me, it's like, how do you even deal in that situation? Like, what do you do when you're like, it's like 1 a.m. Do I go to a friend's house? Like, do I like risk like being driving alone 
in the dark still by myself or do I go home and like be like, hey, save me, younger brother. I don't yeah. know if you can protect me. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, what do you do in this situation when you're being followed? Because I mean, do I call the cops? Like, you know, like, Oof. what would you guys do? I feel like if that was the case, I was like, oh, you could drive to like a grocery store. But if it's 1 a.m., very different. Mm-hmm. I think I would have probably gone onto the highway, tried to lose them, and then called my sibling to say, meet me like, meet me somewhere where it's like brightly lit or something, mm-hmm. you know? And then we can like drive together home. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I think going to your, I don't think I would have driven mm-hmm. home. Although he never, or she never showed up again right at your door. But that no. is a very creepy story. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard because like, especially when you live in the suburbs, there's nothing that's open and brightly lit. Like I don't know where to go. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was thinking like. closes at like 10 p.m. too. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I remember I was thinking in my head, I was like, oh my God, I haven't been back home in a while. Like where the hell do I go? Like I don't know where to go. Mm. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I I think I also would have tried driving um, to like, if not the highway, like maybe local streets and just try to keep like making turns and around and then try to try to get them to like to lose them. And then if not, maybe try calling like the cops or something like that. Um, Drive straight to damn. the police station. Yeah, like, maybe hey, what's up? let's go. <laughs> yeah. You don't know let's get out. Station. Let's hang out. <laughs> the crazy thing is like, I know where the police station is in my city and it's actually even mm. creepier because it's like in this like... <laughs> It's in this, this sounds like, it's really like close to our library, but the library at night is fucking creepy because like Mm. it's pitch black and it's like kind of like a roundabout and like, this sounds really dumb, but like, because I try to go there one time at night, I don't know why, Uh, but then all the geese start start chasing you because they have a light. (laughs) So anyways, um, it's just hard to like, sometimes I think about like when you're in these like situations, like you're panicking, like what do you do? Like what you, it's just like your mind goes like, Oh, like it's not like mm-hmm, thinking as mm-hmm. like clearly, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. right. So it makes the situation even more creepier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are glad you're safe from that scenario that yes. could have ended very differently. So yeah, Oof. I'm happy all three of us are safe after our stories. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, for our listeners who are not into supernatural stories, this is a forewarning that this next section, uh, you may want to fast forward. So let's get right into it. Helen, start us off with uh, your supernatural horror story. Okay, this one is not that bad. So stay stick around if you want to. <laughs> okay, um, honestly, I hate scary anything, scary movies, scary situations. I am not a fan. I will always say the last scary movie I saw was The Ring, and that will continue to be the case Ugh. for a long time. Scary. And that was a long time ago, The Ring. Um, but in my childhood home growing up, I don't know why that's already creepy, my childhood <laughs> home, my mom liked to have a lot of plants around the house. Ooh, not scary. And as many of you do in your own homes, when you have plants, you probably like to keep a base underneath your plants to catch any remaining water or dirt or whatever it is. And my whole life, 
there were pieces of wood or something that was under these massive plants that were like floor to ceiling and they never changed. When I was in high school, I carefully looked at one of the pieces underneath this bamboo-like looking like plant. I don't know what it's called, but it was a Ouija board. Oh, I hate those things. (laughs) And I feel like I feel like Ouija boards had just become a thing when I was in high school. I know it's been around for a long time, but it had picked up in popularity. But this one had been in my house for almost 18 years. So, Mm. and it wasn't like one of those fancy new ones that you buy at like a Target. This is like an old school, legit looking Ouija board. And I asked my mom where she got it from. She didn't know. I think my sisters and cousin, we took it out and we tried playing with it once just because we're stupid. <laughs> and someone, I'm oh going to assume someone within this group definitely moved it because it was moving around mm. and we all freaked out and we threw it away. And it was just, it was one of those moments where it's just like, why the fuck has this thing been in our house? And where did you get this from? Where did it come from? Why is it so legit looking? and not from Target. Yeah. So, again, not that scary, but just imagine if you were in your childhood home and you found, like, a creepy piece of something and it just happened to be there your whole life. Oof. Oof. Wait, what question did you guys ask and then it started moving? Oh, I don't, I don't remember now. I don't remember. I think we might have asked it, like, an easy question just to see if it was true or not. Although, I was looking this up yesterday and supposedly... When there there's a group of people that have a specific answer to one of the questions, like say a simple question, you tend to start moving towards those letters. But then if you were to blindfold the same group of people, you're not going to get the same letters out. So oh. it's like a human nature thing or, you know, something on mm. our subconscious mind or whatever it is that will, you know, move it um, without intending to. And I hope that's true. <laughs> I have some like commentary about this story, but I don't know if I should say it because it might get creepy. Okay. Do it. Do it. What's the commentary? Everyone okay. leave now. But yeah. yes, what is it? <laughs> I find it interesting that this board was found in Boston, which is your hometown, because I think not to scare anyone, but something I, I notice when I watch horror movies or like scary movies, the olden states have more rich history and more stories mm-hmm. that come out of it. So I feel like Boston, like a lot of like, there's like some, it's, a, it's, it's close to Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah. 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 Ah. So it has a lot of history. So sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. Like, would you guys actually play a Ouija board amongst the three of us? Hell no. I don't <laughs> think so. I, actually, no. I was, I was going to ask Helen, you should ask like your sister and your cousin today and see if they remember mm. and see if either of them remembers moving the board. Because I'd be curious. It'd be, it'd be nice. Like, swearing by it. They were like, <laughs> definitely not. Why would I do that? Why would I creep myself oh. out? And they were very honest. I think. And I don't think anyone was lying. But again, mm. maybe it's that psychological thing where you unconsciously are doing or pushing it. Pushing it, yeah. And you know, oh yeah, pushing it. But who knows? Maybe we should try it. Maybe we should oh, make a reel yeah. out of it. <laughs> maybe we should do it for Halloween. Maybe not. <laughs> That could be like a Saturday activity night on your backyard. Saturday, please, during okay. the day and not during the <laughs> day. Not in my house. We'll yeah. do it like in a random faraway park. That'd be creepier. Oh, my God. True. Mm. No, I, I don't fuck with the Ouija boards. So that scares me. <laughs> okay. Well, Janet, I know you have a creepy college story. Yeah. So when it comes to supernatural things, um, I think of all different horror type things like gore, guts, thriller, that kind of stuff. Supernatural freaks me out the most. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because there is some part of me that does like believe in spirits or things like that. So um, it to me, it it doesn't seem far fetched from reality. Um, And there has been one experience in my life that stands out that um, I can remember where I feel like I had it was either supernatural or if it was not supernatural, it's probably even scarier what could have been in reality. Um, but for anyone who attended UCSD, which is where I went to college, uh, I think today it's still open and available, but um, it was well known that people like to go visit this place called the Cliffs. It's a large cliff overlooking the ocean and you get a view of the sunset or if you're going later at night, you get a really beautiful, you know, clear view of the moon. Um, a guy that I was dating at the time, who we made a YouTube video with, actually. <laughs> um, we decided... Oh, does the name rhyme with 
best man. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Okay, okay, yes, we know. Um, so him and I decided that we wanted to go and visit the cliffs at night. And this was past sunset. It was already dark. And we're like, oh, let's go like look at the moon. We'll sit there peacefully at the cliff and like hear the ocean and, and look at the moon. And to get to the location of the cliffs, you have to go through a residential area. And you have to walk down the street. And then you come up on a gate, which goes into a dirt platform kind of like hill area. And there's, a, there's one house that's right next to kind of like that open walkway, that dirt passage. And um, when you go through the gate, you have to walk alongside the house and like pass along the fence and the backyard. Well, as we approached the house, we started to hear like a muffled murmur sound. And we got closer and actually like peeked over, like they had like a white fence and we peeked over the fence so that we could see the window into the house and a light basically like suddenly turned off. And we heard the murmur again, except this time, it, was start, it started to like increase in urgency um, and frequency. And we walked along the side of the house. So like now approaching that dirt area. And it sounded like the muffled murmur was like following us. So first it was in the front of the house. The light turns off. And then we're going across the side to the hill. And it sounds like it's coming now against the side of the house. And the muffled murmur would like occasionally stop. And then it would start again. And when it would start, it would get more and more urgent. And I remember turning to Wes and being like, what is that? Is that an animal? And this part still gives me chills down my side because I, I couldn't see his face because it was dark. But I just remember he kind of like froze and his voice was like, that's not an animal. And I don't want to say what it sounds like. And I freaked out. I ran like out of the hill area back onto the street um, basically the sound, it, it's not like a scream, but it's like if someone was trying to scream and someone else had their hand over their mouth and had their mouth covered. And that's what it, it sounded like. So we went back to the car, um, and we just like got into the car and we called campus police and campus police, like it was actually kind of far away from UCSD's campus, but like they took a long time to get there and we actually ended up deciding to just like go home first. It was getting so late and we never heard back from them or found out what that was, but to this day, that would like, that just freaks me out because I'm like, I don't know if it was a person. It didn't sound like an animal. It was either a supernatural thing or it was, I don't know. But <laughs> that's scary. Do you think there's a possibility that this house is annoyed that there are always so many people using or crossing oh, by their side they're... yard that they like created Pulled a, a prank. spooky system? Yeah. To like scare yeah. people. That's a very good guess of a possibility. Because um, that's something I, I would have done. <laughs> um does um your ex remember the story too do you talk about this he when, does when you see he him? does i never i mean i think i haven't asked him about it in a long time but if when we see him next time we should talk about it he he will be freaked out too we both we were just like uh, we because we never figured out like what happened and they never mm. told us and we just like never went back <laughs> oh my gosh that's, that's hella scary. creepy oh my yeah. god do you know which house she's talking about mel since you went to ucsd also no, I don't. Because I feel like I actually, I'm afraid to go to those places at night. So I would never have gone to the cliffs at that time. I don't think I've been to the cliffs, actually. But oh, it's weird. It's so pretty during the day. During yeah. The day. <laughs> I feel like UCSD does have like creepy things around it, though. Um, it's a very large, sprawled out campus. It is. And, and some of the buildings, I mean, it's still relatively young, I think, compared to like East Coast cities, right? But mm. um, I know like the, the apart or like the student housing that I was in, it was like there was a war that happened. It was like fleets from the war or something. So yeah, there's some kind of some history to it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> how about how about you ladies? Any more like kind of like supernatural um any any experiences where you decided to go in the dark at night and happened upon something yes okay i will share one and i'll keep this kind of short because i get creeped out just thinking about it (laughs) but this was when i was maybe a sophomore in high school and one of my friends had this great idea i think it was around halloween time because it was not too cold but pretty cold um and this idea was to go to an abandoned asylum in Rentham, Massachusetts. You can look it up. It's called the Rentham State Hospital. And it was a place that used to confine and treat or mistreat ill children. Oh my gosh. I legit just got chills down my leg. Down my spine. I got it down my spine. (laughs) So 
I don't know why the fuck I ever agreed to do this, <laughs> but we had about six people with us. We parked our cars alongside the main road. It's one of those roads where, and like we've all driven by these roads before where you're driving down the road and then there's like this random dirt path and it's kind of lit up with like street lights and you're just like, oh, I'm curious. Is that just someone's, some really rich person's house or what is that? What does it lead to? So it was one of those like creepy looking dirt roads, right? That you can't fully see down because it, it takes a turn. Um, so we got out of our cars, held each other in two rows. So three and three, we slowly walked in and this was like the longest dirt path it felt like to get through to where, you know, the main, the main like campus was and the lights on either side of the road, they kept flickering on and off too. And I felt like it was flickering more off every time we like hit it. So almost like on beat, it was really creepy. And then once we got to the end of that road, it was an open field that was somewhat hilly with several brick buildings. Um, in some of the buildings, the windows were boarded up with red wood and all of the buildings were glowing in the moonlight. So you can kind of see it, but it's like this like creepy blue like glaze over all of the buildings too. And again, I would never do or advise anyone to do this because clearly it's also trespassing, right? But we would walk up to some of the buildings and if we were able to open the doors, we would go into them. There were rooms that had abandoned metal like hospital beds that were just like all over the like not in any specific order but it was kind of just like chaotic in there there are rooms with holes in the wall for i don't even want to say but there were definitely like little like pitter patters that you could hear when you like really were quiet and try to listen i'm like okay maybe they're rats and then you hear just like high-pitched like eerie sounds and we're like okay is there someone else in there because it could have been you know, other kids that were like being quiet because they're freaked out or like a homeless person or someone staying in there. But you would always hear like these random little sounds everywhere. And it was very scary, <laughs> very, very scary, completely pitch dark in these places, too. So we had to like go by flashlight. Um, and after all that, we just like ran out because it was, yeah, don't want to talk about this too much anymore because it's, it's very it's very vivid in my memory. Oh, my um, God. And it was just that, oh that might be God. the scariest thing that I have ever done. And I hate scary things. And I mean, young Helen was wild. Got all on my <laughs> system. I would just I would never do that ever again. But it's still there, I believe, if uh, mm. anyone in Massachusetts wants to, oh my God. wants to check it out. I have a follow up question for the both of you. Speaking of yeah. supernatural, do you guys actually believe in this stuff? I feel like I I kind of do, but I don't want to. <laughs> it's <laughs> it scares me a lot because I kind of do. I don't think that every story is maybe the way that we interpret it, but I do believe that the root of all these. Yeah, like I, I guess more or less. Yes, I do. <laughs> hmm. Do you? Do you? I don't know. I feel like there's some truth to it. Um. I mean, I know people have said, like, for example, like, you know that thing, like, sleep paralysis or that thing when you feel like mm. you can't get moved? There are a lot of times where I feel like something's above me and it freaks me out. And I literally yeah, I purposely shut, and I, like, shut my, because I feel like there's, like, someone, I see a being so that's pushing me down. And that mm. scares the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, mm. All right. Sounds like we're doing an ABG field trip to this, uh, <laughs> to oh rent them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dude, if you're down. No. <laughs> Yo, trust me, the three of us, we could not handle this. I don't think, well, I don't think we could even get like a mile within we're, the distance. We're Asian boss girls. Yes, we are. But not when it comes to uh, scary things. Not this That's stuff. Fun. Yeah. That's true. We can barely get through a regular haunted house. Okay. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I feel, I saw you guys showed me the recordings from last year and you guys went to Not Scary Farm. And all I hear from you three and then Bill's like, oh, shit. Scary. He was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, I, I hear like the panic in all your voices. <laughs> Actually, what would be the order if we were to go into a haunted house? Would Mel be in the front? Oh, man. Uh, I think she, I feel like she would be. Mel might be in the front. I I thought Helen would be. Mm, I'd be in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) I actually feel like it's scarier to be in the back than the front because things can fall. Same, 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 same. same. Agree. Yeah. Okay. We would just be side by side. Side by side. (laughs) (laughs) We need a very wide maze. (laughs) But if I had to choose... I would choose the front then, if not the back. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, set. if you had to choose one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Wait, so no one's in the back? <laughs> Crap. 
we should go and see how we survive. It's like it's just oh a haunted house. Yeah. I'm curious for our listeners, if you were to go in on a three-person group, what position would you choose? Mm. Everyone would you would say middle. First? Or everyone, well, middle is off, off limits. So if you had to be in the front or you had to be in back. So I guess it could be any size group. Yeah. Like, which would you prefer? Let That's us a know good, in the comments. I'm very curious. This is a really good question. Okay, I definitely feel like the heebie-jeebies and really creeped out right now. So let's lighten this up. What are some moments when you look back and you're like, wow, did I really do that? Yeah, so another travel-related story. When I was studying abroad in Melbourne, we went from Brisbane to Cairns, scuba dived in the Great Barrier Reef, had one of the Whitsunday Islands, which just Google that. It is so freaking beautiful. We had one of those islands to ourselves and um, it was like an insane MTV-worthy spring break trip and during one of the days we ended up skydiving in the morning my first time first and probably only time i will ever do that and it's crazy how high up you go there's there was a watch that my instructor had on and basically because you can't really communicate when you're in this like airplane that is just so loud that you can't really talk to each other and basically he said that once the hand on this watch went all the way around it was time to jump and by the time we were above the clouds which it's already really high up. His watch showed that we were only a quarter of the way up. So it was it was like scary that we were going that much further up into the sky. But it was exhilarating. It was so beautiful. We jumped over the Great Barrier Reef and it was just like oh wow, the best experience ever. It's so cool. Um, and then at nighttime, and this is, I guess, what adds to like moments of courage, we all ended up going to a bar um, that had bungee jumping in it. Basically, you could get drunk at the bar and then go and jump, which I've never heard of <laughs> anywhere else before. Usually, I think it's a very sober activity, but I thought it was a great idea. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you want to get some of those nerves out by drinking? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like there, and obviously, you're waiting for people to go, and then you wait your turn, and I got pretty drunk, but I, you would just watch as other, like, wasted people went before you and this one girl went completely naked like <gasps> oh my god completely naked and from the bar they had this camera that would zoom into each person so that you could see your friends jumping and they would keep zooming in onto this girl <laughs> she chose to be naked because you were also able to extend your rope if you wanted to like the the distance that you would be dropping if you wanted to dip your body into the water there was like a body of water at the bottom so you could like jump in and extend it get completely soaked if you wanted to, which actually sounds really dangerous now, but she did that. Um, I did not do that, by the way. But when I went up there, I was in a good, I was like pretty drunk in a, like a very tipsy, happy mood. And then the moment you just start climbing up these stairs, you get dizzy because you're going around in a freaking circle over and over again until you reach the top. And I was getting so nervous there was just like so much anticipation all the way up to the top of the climb and it it took me like 10 minutes at the top which was so annoying for a lot of people but I was just like I want to walk back down and obviously everyone's trying to talk me out of it um because you're like your life is dependent on this rope that's tied to your legs and you're not going to feel any of that slack until you hit the very end you know so I mean obviously that is what bungee jumping is but it was just a very scary scary yet exhilarating moment um, and I don't think I like the experience. I would never do that again. So. Did you did you jump off yourself or did someone have to push you off? I jumped off myself. I think oh. I have a video. I have like a, I think I have a video somewhere where. We, we need to watch I, this. I know. I need to find it. <laughs> Maybe share it on ABG, but. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So that was the crazy, that, that was the craziest thing. That was the most extreme day that I've ever had. Skydiving in the morning. Damn, yeah. Drunk bungee jumping at night. <laughs> Again, college Helen, she went all out. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, yeah, I, th- I feel like bungee jumping is one of those things where I don't think someone, like, it would take a lot for me to, mm-hmm. to do that. I'm so, so freaked out by that. Somehow, hearing that you did skydiving and bungee jumping one day doesn't surprise me about mm-hmm. <laughs> Helen. I feel like you have a little bit of a, like, thrill seekerness in you. Yeah. It's been a while since we've <laughs> seeked that thrill. So. <laughs> I'm surprised because the fact that you drink, I'm like, I would have just like, as they pushed me off, I would have like threw up. 
That's true. You That's, know? Yeah. I don't know why it's a thing. No, it's like a full-ass bar at the bottom. Maybe, so I'm like, isn't this a really bad idea, actually? Maybe it means that you'll be more like you go with the flow on your body. Like when you're yeah, drunk, but your you body, your, your body is getting like slanged around, and <laughs> that's not good for the stomach. No. Yeah, because yeah. if you resist it, if you resist it, you get more tension. Kind of like in a car accident, right. the best ways to just kind True. of so maybe they're like just get drunk up. and then you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was in this area that had a lot of spring breakers, so mm. I'm sure it like attracted the party scene. I mean, and the girl's it. naked. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it was a crazy <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah. All right, Janet, I want to hear your story about conquering a fear also. Oh, my gosh. So unlike Helen, I am I feel like I'm the opposite of a thrill seeker. Like, I have no desire to jump out of a plane or especially bungee jumping or any of those things. Um, and even with, like, sports and, like, activities, I feel like I prefer the more tame things. Like breath work. Yeah, breath work, right? And yoga. <laughs> <laughs> it, can, it has – it's intense in its own way, but definitely not, like, thrill seeking or things that I feel like are – or outright like potentially dangerous. But when I was living in San Francisco, um, there was one year when we went up to Tahoe and you know we had like a snowboarding trip. Very common, right? I mean, even snowboarding to me was like a little bit like it's a bit of a strenuous, you know, kind of dangerous sport or whatever. Um, I have only gone a couple of times in my life and I'm pretty amateur, but generally I can kind of at least like make my way down moderate hills. So this one trip we went and we got there and we, you know, started going down the runs and got through like half the, or like, I guess we got there a little later. So we spent through like half the day and had got a couple of hours of really good runs in. And I was having fun. I was with my friend Kristen again. (laughs) And um, near the end of the day, they were about to close and Kristen and I were like, let's just do one more run. So we get on the lift and we land at this hill that we haven't done before So it's a new one and we start going down it and slowly a little ways in, I start to notice like, huh, why does this one feel a little more steep and challenging than the other ones? And then we kept going and suddenly it got really, really steep and there were rocks like everywhere. Like, so you have to be able to like navigate around the rocks. And we realized once we were too far into the run to be able to go back up that we accidentally went down a black diamond run. And (laughs) I'm extremely amateur with snowboarding. Like I can stand on the board and I go down some of the bunny slopes. But this was like terrifying. And we tried. I was kind of like, okay, fine. Like worse comes worse. I like concede. I just go on my butt and I can like slide down on my butt down the, the slope. Right. Well, no, it's actually really dangerous because there's a lot of rocks along the way. And you can't like even going on your butt and your mittens, it's like really hard to go down. And at this point, they were near closing. So it was starting to get dark. And then it actually started to like snow. <laughs> and we, we just kept kind of making our way down. And seriously, like about 45 minutes in, we're like, we're still not at the end. It's still like super steep down. We're like, I don't want to be one of those people, but we think we probably should like call call someone for help. Um, And then we realized like neither of us had cell service. So that's when I started to really like, I started panicking because I felt like, oh my God, this is so bad. We're stuck. It's like dark now. It's like really, really cold. And we just kept kind of like going down slowly. And we finally, I remember when we made it down, we're like, I was like, fuck this. I'm never going to snowboarding again. But so I feel like that wasn't, it was like an involuntary having to like deal with my fear. I feel like I didn't really have a choice but to make it down that mountain. But yeah, next time as a warning for anyone, Make sure you look and know what hill you're going down when you're going either skiing or snowboarding. Oh, my God. That's like my nightmare. (laughs) I don't do any snow sports. I'm so afraid. Yeah. I, yeah. It was fun until that happened. (laughs) Holy crap. It is kind of crazy that you have no, like, emergency, like, access or way to call someone for help when you're stuck on the mountain. I'm sure, like, at the end of the day, someone is going down from the top bottom just to make sure everyone is safe and everyone is gone. Um, But that is, yeah, to not know if that was going to happen or not is is very scary. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you all so much for joining us on today's episode. It was definitely a creepy one. We shared some scary experiences that we've had and knock on wood, luckily survived and hopefully will never happen again. Uh, We're curious about your scary stories. However you define scary. If you have a story, leave it in the comments of our Instagram post. 
If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. Before we end today, we want to let you all know that we've started new mini podcast shows that now release every Tuesday. Tune in to K-Dreaming with Mel, Living Well with Janet, and Spill the Baby Tea with Helen. Each week we'll release a new episode from one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune in to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays from now on. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. And with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.